this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 1030 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Good morning. So we have been talking about Christian spiritual practices. I've lifted up specifically five different uh, disciplines that we are all encouraged to incorporate into our lives. We started off talking about worship and prayer. Last week was the importance of study, and today I'm talking about serving, being the hands and feet of Christ. And my hope in doing a topic like this is that Maybe for the very first time in your life, you hear these different disciplines and you think, you know, I maybe have never truly tried to take this Christian stuff seriously. Maybe for the very first time in your life, or maybe you just need a little reminder, a little reset, a word of encouragement as you go about your daily Christian walk with Christ. And the scripture passage I have chosen today to talk about serving is from the 13th chapter of John. This passage that I'm going to read in just a moment, the context for it is that Jesus is in the upper room to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples. He knows, they know, that soon it's all about to change. Soon Jesus will be arrested. And just before the meal, Jesus takes off in his outer robe. He ties a towel around his waist and he pours water into a basin and begins to go around the room one by one and wash the disciples' feet. Peter tried to stop him. He didn't want Jesus to do that. This is what servants did, the low of the low, washing someone's tired, dirty, dusty feet. But Jesus insists. Peter says, okay, well then my head and my hands like an anointing. But Jesus says, no, he won't hear of it. He bends down like a servant and washes his feet. In one of his final teaching moments before his arrest, Jesus chose to show them all what he wants them to do. And I'm going to read from John 13, beginning in verse 12. After Jesus had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, Jesus said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. So one by one, he gives them this visible, physical reminder of what he wanted his disciples to do and be about. He served. He washed their feet. You know, even as parents, we know that the best way to teach our children is to show them. Don't just tell them you've got to be kind to others. They need to see you being kind to others. So to be a follower of Jesus, we have to live our lives like Jesus lived. And we know that Jesus served. We see it again and again in his ministry throughout the Gospels that Jesus 
was a man with and to the hurting and the sick and the outcast and the poor and the vulnerable. But here in one of his last acts before it all would change, Jesus takes this opportunity to show them a follower of Jesus serves. Later on in the same chapter, on chapter 13, Jesus goes on to give them a new commandment. Verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love, it is the central ethic of the Christian faith. They will know we are Christians by our love. By this, everyone will know who you are, Jesus says, if you have love for another. Earlier in his ministry, a lawyer once asked Jesus a question. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took two commandments from his Hebrew scriptures and he puts them side by side. Love God, love neighbor. This is the most important thing. One of the ways we show the world God's love is by serving. And the first thing I want to say about serving is that it has to start with simply noticing. Where can we serve? Where are the needs? Or as an email I read this week told me, set intention with attention. We have to notice. We have to have eyes and ears and hearts that are willing to notice something in the first place before we can begin to serve. Maybe it starts with a prayer as you start your day. Lord, help me to see your face in every single person I meet today because they are a child of God. So often we can get so busy with our agenda, our plans, our schedules, our to-do list that we can simply miss the opportunity to be God's hands and feet in the world. You know, we give a lot of excuses. Too busy, somebody else will step up, I've served my time, someone who's more capable, more able, deeper pockets, uh, more willing, can say yes, but what God often needs is simply a willing person to say yes. God doesn't call the perfect and the perfectly capable. I am a perfect example of that truth. God asks, and it's our job to simply say, yes, Lord, send me. The other observation I'd like to make about service is that it's one thing to notice, it's something entirely else to do something about it. As Christians, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. I'm really good at making lists. I absolutely live by my calendar and planner. I have a paper planner because I'm a dinosaur and I also do the Google Calendar. I do both online and I set reminders for myself and I almost never make plans without checking my calendar. I love a good post-it note with some to-do lists on it. Nothing makes me feel better than crunching up that little post-it note because I have accomplished that and thrown it in the trash. I love 
to make plans. But when we tell the story of the Good Samaritan, we tell that story, the most famous, most well-known, probably most beloved story Jesus ever told, which was in response to that lawyer who said, who is my neighbor? We know that story about how the Samaritan stopped to help a stranger, a man hurt and robbed and beaten for left for dead. He got up to an inn. He helped provide for his medical care. He paid his bills. He came back to check on them. He made sure he was okay. We love to tell how great that Samaritan is, but we forget that the Samaritan was willing to be inconvenienced. He probably had his own post-it notes of plans for his day, and he was willing to throw it out to stop and help this man. Jesus says the priest, the minister, kept on walking by, probably because she had too much to do on her to-do list to stop and add one more thing. The church elder, the Levite, he kept walking by, probably because he had dinner plans that night, and told himself, you know, somebody else more equipped than me is going to be able to help him better than I could. The Samaritan was willing to be inconvenienced. When we serve others, when we decide to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world, it actually often doesn't fit into our perfectly made plans. In fact, let me tell you an example of this uh, just this past week. Uh, while I was working on my sermon this week, I got a text message with a few pictures, and it was from some friends at my old church in Tennessee, and it was a picture of uh, one of the kids from my old church moving into the dorm room at UT Chattanooga, and it was a selfie of him and his dad and these two members of our church from his move-in day at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And the pic actually just took my breath away, really, just looking at that picture. Because this kid, we would, we would think of him as a community kid, really. His connection to our church was mostly through Wednesday nights. He lived in the housing projects about a mile from our church. And he first came to our church by walking. He and his brother would walk to Wednesday night. Sometimes they would get a ride if they had somebody around that would give them a ride down to church. But they often walked down to our Wednesday nights, which is very similar to Logos and how we do it here. And his brother, he had an older brother, and his brother became a teenage parent and moved out years ago. Mom has never been in the picture in his life, and Dad does his best but has some serious issues. This is a kid that has spent a lot of time growing up on his own. Nobody really paying much attention. Except over the years, there were people paying attention to him, and they were the people at church. They were the adults who served on Wednesday nights when he showed up. It was the leaders in his youth group. It was the vacation Bible school teachers. Um, one of them, in this picture, he was a regular volunteer at a free meal that happened at the housing authority he lived in every week. And this couple, this particular couple, the youth sponsor and the kids cafe volunteer, they paid attention to him. And through the years, they have been willing to be inconvenienced 
again and again and again. They paid for him to do jobs around the house when he needed some money. They even helped teach him about opening his first bank account. They made sure he had everything he needed for school. They've invited him to family dinners and birthday parties over the year. And oh, there is, there's the picture. There he is. At some time last year, he took the ACT and he mentioned in passing to them what he got on the ACT and it was amazing. And this did not come as a surprise to either of them who knew how smart he was. In fact, his grades actually were not that great. They were just very much okay. And he hadn't applied to any schools. He hadn't applied for scholarships. Nobody in his life has ever gone to college. And this couple said, you know, with that score, you could do this. You could get into college and study computers that you love. And they basically parented him through the steps, through graduation, through applications, through all those awful FAFSA forms, through scholarships. They helped him order graduation invitations. They made sure he wrote thank you notes. They threw him a graduation party. They coordinated with members of the church to make sure the gifts for the party were all things that he needed for his college dorm room. When I got that picture, that happened because two people were willing to be inconvenienced again and again and again. And I'm not going to say that that means that he was always the most well-respected, most best-behaved, most mannerly child, because he absolutely was not. But they cared. And they dared to believe that somewhere along the way, the message that he received on Wednesday nights, when he was nine years old, when he was 18 years old, was real and powerful and true. And they cared. They believed that God had put him in their lives for a reason. Service. Whatever you do to the least of these, who are members of my family, you do to me. And these are two people who are willing to be inconvenienced again and again and again to serve. And I've mentioned that we serve because Jesus has shown us how to serve. And I've mentioned the importance of paying attention to your own willingness to be inconvenienced. But I have one more thing I want to say about service before I stop. And I think, frankly, this reason is probably a selfish reason, but not one to be overlooked. We serve for us. We serve for our own benefits, for our own hearts. Not because we're trying to attain perfection or running for sainthood or even trying to save ourselves because the good news, church, is Jesus already did that. We serve for our own hearts. And I say this because if you have ever done something for someone else and realized that you were the one that was actually more blessed by the experience, it's one of the reasons I happen to think mission and service trips are so important for adults and for youth and students. It's one of the reasons I selfishly volunteer at Camp Bethany Hills one time every summer. I do it for my own self. Because you realize you were the one who was blessed. 
It's spending your Saturday framing a house for someone who lost their home in the tornado here in Hopkins County. And let me tell you, I know that sleeping in on a Saturday is really awesome. But somehow, if you can just get yourself there to that parking lot and swing a hammer for a few hours, suddenly you realize that was way better than a couple more hours of sleep. It's going to visit your friend at the nursing home to offer a word of encouragement to her and leaving realizing, you know what, I'm the one who was encouraged during that visit. It's paying for a hungry person's dinner and realizing that by the grace of God go I and how honored you suddenly feel to have the money in your pocket to do it. So the next time you are having a bad day, the next time you find yourself throwing a little pity party for one, ask yourself, when is the last time I did something for somebody else? Serving others can fix a bad day. It can write our perspective. It can give us an attitude of gratitude, as the preachers say. It can change our hearts to be more like Christ. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we are imperfect. Sometimes we are selfish or self-involved, and yet we know that you call us to people who serve. Open our eyes and our hearts to noticing how you are calling us to be your servants in the world, to show your kindness and your mercy your compassion, and above all, your love of Christ to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.